From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Reflective, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are writing a game design journal and bringing other media into games. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. I was thrown a little bit because, yeah. Ellen, your topic was not what I thought it was. That's going to be exciting when we get in. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Quite, now I have many questions, but we'll wait on that. <laughs> Listeners can suss out which of the two topics I sounded slightly pensive while reading off. Yeah. I can guess which one of these is Ellen's topic. Uh, stay tuned for the answer. Um, <laughs> Suspense. Oh, goodness. So, uh, COVID check-in time. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Still COVID. It still it still exists. It's still COVID, COVID is out still there. A thing. Um, <laughs> but the bivalent boosters are out, and they are supposed to put, to help protect people who get it um, from the latest strain, the latest strains of of COVID. What is bivalent? Okay, hold on. I have to take a a, a phone call from the uh, comic book store. Hold on a second. Okay. This is a real thing that's happening. Hello. Did you hear the outside of that call? I think it was Star like, Trek Ascendancy. Yeah, Star Trek Ascendancy is something good news, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so I placed an, an order at our friendly local game store for a bunch of the Star Trek Ascendancy expansion sets. Yeah, yeah. And they, I just got, they just got one in stock for me. Ooh. So Excited. It was important that I took that call. Yeah. <laughs> good job. It's like, okay. I'm all over here. I don't get high fives as much. <laughs> Not long enough. I'll have five YouTube. We can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. Okay. (laughs) All right. So back on topic. Yes. COVID. Uh, The bivalent COVID boosters. So for people who don't know, there's not a lot to know about it. Mm. But basically, it's a mix of um, the original vaccine and a reformulated version based on the the two most common uh, Omicron variants that have been out. So that have been over last year. So it's essentially it's partially an extra booster, but partially a new formulation designed to target what's going on out there right now. Mm. Um, and uh, we have, we'll have some explainer articles in the show notes, but the short, an- the short, you know, the, the long and short of it is, go get one. Yes. There's no reason yeah. to wait. Mm. They're available for everybody. There's mm. plenty. Um, it's not like the first round of, of vaccines where you had to kind of like check in or wait for a, 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 you know, sign up and wait. It's just like uh, the, the boost boosters you may have gotten last year. Mm. Um, it's just go get one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that, I can't really say much more else about it because because of the formulation, we may have a shot at skipping the the, the fall winter surge this year. Yeah, that's Ooh. the hope, Ooh. That's the goal. and that's my fingers are crossed pretty badly because I think a lot of the world has decided the pandemic is over, right? Um, or at least they've decided that it's something that we're okay just living with. Yeah, and I'm not there yet, and it's frustrating because when we were all in it together, it was the easier. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah, and sure. yeah, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like I, I'm hopeful that this these boosters will help because I mean, like, uh, it's important to wear masks, um, you know, to prevent COVID from spreading. But oh gosh, I kind of wish I didn't have to wear masks yeah. a lot of times. Um, but I'm still doing. Remember, it. there was that brief like three week period where we all took our masks off. Yeah, and it was like <laughs> it's good times. Hooray! Good times. <laughs> so anyway, so for this to work, yeah. Um, I mean, everyone, a lot of people have already taken their masks off yeah. and we, you know, we're, we're past the discussion on that, frankly, like mm. people have decided to, or they're sticking it out. Like some of us are. Yep. And, um, but if enough people get the bivalent boosters as soon as they can, 
then that means we could be again in a situation like we had last summer and maybe at, in a more uh, sustained way. So that's yeah. my that's my fingers crossed hope, but I'm not like counting on it. Sure. Yeah, I felt quite hopeful with this with this booster. Uh, kind of similar to yeah, like summer last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that continues. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would like to. I would just like to. It's amazing how the idea of just like going into a restaurant. Yeah. It's a, so, it's a constant stress, right? Like well, I've got, constant... I've got, I've, I've completely um, normalized my behavior, yeah. which is that I don't eat at restaurants. Yes. I will go in and pick something up. I will eat out on a patio. That's what I do. That's just normal for me. So when I think of going to a restaurant, that's what I think about. Mm-hmm. And, and I've completely, it's, I've been doing that long enough and I would, I would kind of like to unlearn that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If possible. Yeah. I feel the same way. But I'm not going to – I'm just just got to stick it out for at least a couple more weeks to see what the uptick yep. – or the uptake, rather, is on these boosters. Oh, I guess, yeah. By the time this episode is out, there will be more information. Oh, well, let's hope. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the other thing about it is that the the, the boosters are – there's not a lot of clinical data about their effectiveness. Yeah. Um, basically, there was a um, a balance versus – well, because one of the, the vaccines, the original vaccine, was available well earlier than they were um, – uh, distributed yeah. because they they waited a long time to make sure that it was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing is, in terms of come to public messaging, there's all these things you got to balance. Mm. Like if if the, the first vaccine was only wasn't quite as effective, they they were looking at fifty percent. That was the it's the goal oh. for most vaccines. Okay. It ended up being like 90 percent. So mm. in fact, the world got kind of lucky that round that yeah. time around. Mm. But at the time, the thinking was if we if we send something out too early and it's not as effective as we want it, it'll be harder to send out the next batch. It'll be harder yeah. to, and, and that in fact turned out to be sort of true that, you know, the number of people who've gotten their third shot is pretty low in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth, you know, now is even lower. Yeah. But uh, with this new one, they had to balance this thing of like, well, let, we need to get this out as soon as possible. And so there was that, 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 so there isn't a lot of clinical data yet. Got it. It's, it, it, it's known safe. So there's no concerns there. Right. And just in terms of its effectiveness, we're not quite sure. People, uh, scientists are very optimistic. I've read a couple of things saying that, you know, uh, not just hopeful, but actually properly optimistic. Uh, but we don't actually know yet. Sure. Um, but go get it. Yeah, get it. <laughs> so that data can, can bear out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten my booster. I got it last week on Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. I didn't really feel it either. I haven't felt the the previous few shots. The first shot hit me a little bit, but I, it yeah. was like a mild um, fever. Um, but outside of that, like I really haven't felt it. So hmm. I'm sure we've talked we talked about it on the show probably when we got ours and what hmm. our reactions are. But my memory is that each one was a li- I felt it a little bit more than the one previous. Yeah, I might my memory might be faulty on that one, but this last one kind of laid me out a little bit, hmm. but not the way that it hit because well, I still pretty pretty lucky with okay. with those. It didn't mostly I, maybe I just power through stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I have I have a guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got mine the the first day they were available because ah. because yeah, I, I looked into it and it's like, oh yeah, there's 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 plenty. Just make an appointment at Walgreens. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's all mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, there's so many of them out there, so it's, it's easy yeah. to grab. The thing that got me, I don't know if we talked about this before, but mm. um, you know, my my vaccine card is now full. Oh, mine is full too. They gave me a new card. Right. That, that the question I had for the 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 technician there was, well, what do we do? We are we just not keeping track anymore? And he's like, um, I don't really know. And actually, that kind of makes sense because mm. in the early days, it was actually really quite important to have that documentation. Right. But now it actually isn't that important to have it. Yeah. And, and part of me, I you know, I really want I want to do things by the book. Yeah. I want things. You know, that's kind of my personality. But I sort of get why we 
because there are some people who didn't forgot to bring their card with them when they got their first booster or whatever sure. and whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think that is fine yeah as much as i kind of i want everything everybody to be documented and written down all the time like we're not in a situation where the, where you are or aren't vaccine is uh, or have a vaccine is is one checked by anybody <laughs> yeah uh, but also it actually doesn't make a lot of difference in terms of like a community spread or risk Sure. Necessarily, oh, sure. it doesn't. Um, at least to the degree that that it, that it really it was really important to gather data, but also to govern behavior mm. early on when everyone was getting them for the first time. Yeah. But it was it threw me for a loop a little bit because I asked like, what do I do for the next one in six months or a year or whenever if we do establish a cadence like a flu shot? Um, and he did tell me that what they were actually hoping to do was to combine uh, a yearly COVID boosters with a flu shot. Smart. Which is actually not a, not a very complicated thing to do. Yeah. Um, but right. it, yes. it, it's like take a dropper. A bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, it's just put, bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, just put two <laughs> bits of goop in the goop holder. It's, right, yeah. that's how it works. It's not that complicated. Um, but that, that may be what we're looking at in the next couple of years. Is that okay. We just get a yearly update just like we do for the flu. Um, but that hasn't really been figured out yet. And so in, in, in which case, yeah, you don't really need a record for that. Yeah, I suppose it's true. You know, but it kind of confused me. I had to come to terms with it because I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm it's gonna... so different. Well, everything is constantly changing and yet not changing. And it's, it's rough. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, Ellen, you got a Steam Deck. <laughs> That's happy. That's just, over, over to good news. My, yes. Well, the only other thing I want to say on the COVID thing is uh, I just like having stamps on cards that belong to me. Yeah. So that bums me out that. You know, maybe they'll give me another card. They'll give. I mean, I got another card. Yeah, so. we need more stamps. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just had a lengthy conversation. I, he didn't give me another card. Oh, really? You didn't get another card, huh? Yeah, because he was like, I don't know what we're gonna do, but he filled out the fourth slot on mine. That's interesting. They'll do it. Okay. Yeah, I. They put a little sticker on mine and it covered up two slots, so like they just had to give me another card. <laughs> you know, like when you vote, you get a little sticker that says "I voted." Yeah. I, I, I like getting stickers and stamps. Yeah. What can I say. Yeah, that's fair. No one ever sees them except for me, and then whoever's looking at it. Yeah. You know, in whatever public setting <laughs> you know you paid for this ticket you can't get in unless you have a vaccine here's my stamp yeah <laughs> anyway yeah i got a steam deck i got a steam deck mm-hmm. um and i got it away from eric nice. um, <laughs> well done yeah so it's so oh, i just love their hardware so much like mm-hmm. it just feels so good in your hands really and okay. it does feel like i mean for me i guess sure i, I mean just haven't done it yet so yeah well. yeah i don't know it's it, it does feel kind of like a ginormous switch Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. Uh, but you know, there's just something about like the triggers that feels similar to the Steam controller, mm-hmm. which I have said on the show before. I really liked the Steam controller mm-hmm. for the most part. So I, I'll I'll be the only person on that hill. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played anything much on it because <laughs> I have run into a couple issues. So the first thing I was really excited to do was like to load up Gato Robato and. And finish that out because I'm, you know, really far into that. It's a short game. Um, it's like a short Metroidvania where you play a cat in a robot suit. Ah! <laughs> like, I don't need to say anything else. But it's, like, monochromatic and it's quite adorable. And I'm very excited to continue that game. And I didn't realize it doesn't have Cloud Sank. <laughs> oh, it doesn't? No. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. It's really interesting, too, because, like, I think, as far as I remember, with Steam, all you had to do is, like, 
click check a button. You check a box in the back end. The Steam Cloud Sync is extremely it. dirt simple. Yes. Because what it is is you always have the Steam application running on your computer. Right. So it knows where the persistent data path is on everyone's hard drive. Mm -hmm. And so it just looks in there and just takes it. So you don't, you don't have to do anything with your game. You just check a box in the back end to allow it to happen. Yeah. Because it's a choice a developer should be able to make. Yeah. Um, it isn't a tentacle barrier in any way. Yeah. Um, so I don't. actually kind of a bummer that they didn't check that box. Yeah. They didn't check the box. But, um, you know. I need to be able to put in a future request or something. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a few years old, so it might not be paying very close attention to it, especially with, like, you know, new hardware coming out. Maybe they're working on it and, and whatnot. But I'll, I'll reach out to them and ask them if they can do that. In the meantime, I will manually transfer my save file. <laughs> <laughs> like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> like a chump. <laughs> I think I'm going to email it to myself and then, like, log into my email on the Steam Deck. And so, I don't know, like, yeah, it's, we'll, I mean, it's all of, like, three kilobytes of data. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. like... You know, yeah. I probably take a picture and like type it in before. Anyway, yeah. So that, there's that, and then um, I tried Hylix, which is also kind of an older, really weird game. Mm -hmm. um, and I got stuck on the inventory. And it was interesting because I think that was certified as like Steam Deck, like cert Steam Deck certified or something like that. Yeah. Like it yeah. was tested, and then I ran into an issue with inventory or like the shop management or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I, was it like a con like the controls didn't work quite right or? Well, I mean. So the, you know, the key bindings in the options menu say one thing mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily line up with what's happening on the controller, but usually uh, it doesn't matter because you just kind of know like oh, the bottom button is the one that you press when you want to go forward. And then the left button is the one when you press when you want to go back, you know, yeah, like yeah. just these standard interface um, patterns that everybody tries to use, mm -hmm. hopefully, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when I got to that point, it just wouldn't. Yeah, it wasn't doing the thing I expected it to do. So I don't know if I'm just not doing it right. I have to do some more research on there. So mm -hmm. it's turned out to be a little, it was a, really exciting when I got it. And I was really excited when I powered it up and got it going. And then I'm like keeping these tiny little roadblocks. So I think uh, what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm just going to be like, okay, we're we're going to, we're going to do something else <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really like in, I don't know, like monster hunter stories or something like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> for now, just to get just to get into it, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, I haven't taken it on the road yet. I'm excited for that. Oh, you know what? You should because there's a gyro in there, right? Like a gyroscope. I think so. Yeah. You should try a first person shooter and see how that feels. Oh, with with gyro controls because I've heard because people do that with the Steam controller, mm -hmm. um, mixing the the two touch pads and the gyro on there to great results. Mm -hmm. I've heard for people who are into that sort of thing. I would curious to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, it's pretty hefty, though. I don't know if I yeah. want to be like, yeah. But I'll, you know, I'll, I have a, I have a really, I think I have a driving game that I've been, um, it's been on my backlog, mm -hmm. and so I'll pull that out next. Cool. And then I'll start doing additional polls out to the Twitterverse or to Discord. Mm -hmm. People should, people tell me that I can play next and things like that. So yeah, I'll try the driving game. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's that. And then also good news. A new local game store opened in my neighborhood. Oh, that's yay! Nice. I think I mentioned this. I like, might have been in the last episode. Yeah, you hinted at it, or maybe you described it in detail, and I forgot. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> the name of the store is Level Up, mm -hmm. ah. and I think when we talked about it last, we talked about that it's it might be like a local chain. Yeah, yeah. There's this is a bunch of Level Ups. Yeah, yeah. So I got a peek in there when they were moving things in. They were like somebody was walking in like a shelf or a ladder, and I kind of like piggybacked onto them and. <laughs> <laughs> Duck them behind. 
And I just like you skulking around a strip mall like Harry the Spy or something. <laughs> it's a really great image. I'm I'm not very skulky, I, especially since like I got behind him through the door and then I waited a couple seconds and I'm like, I'm just looking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not the party's rogue. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. And and Eric said he was a he was able to stop and they're like officially open now. And their grand opening in like a couple weeks or something like that. Ah, okay. So they're working the kinks out. Um, they're right next to the beer store. Woo. <laughs> so yeah, and they're like like half a mile away or less. I'm so pumped. That's cool. Yeah. It's like walkable distance to the game store. Oh, that's nice. Life is amazing. <laughs> Get your COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so Ellen, you want to talk about game design journals? Oh man, I thought I was gonna have a break from talking. I don't drink drink of water. Okay, <laughs> forgot that my topic was first. So, um, did you guys have a journal or like a diary when you were a kid? You, oh, I did. I forgot about this. I wrote all of my things down in invisible ink because I didn't want people to see it. I guess that's so nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, well, wow. Of course you did because you couldn't read what you wrote because you yeah. wrote it in invisible ink. <laughs> yeah. So it worked as intended. It did. <laughs> All the memories are flooding back to me now. This, <laughs> Anyways, so yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. I think I've even mentioned that on the show before, but for like three or four months as a teenager, I kept a daily journal on a typewriter that I had acquired. And the novelty of it kept me going for a couple months and then nice. I stopped. And then ah, I stopped. yeah. Yeah. So there's like a record of what I did in those months and yeah. no, no other time in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. To, I still have all that. It's mm. weird to go back to it because it's like a little like um, it's like a core sample of my teenage years. Yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. I kind of like the idea of doing a daily journal on a typewriter. And I think I know the typewriter you're talking about. Is it the one that's still in the office? Yes. Okay. And so people can hear me talk about it and be like, ooh, a typewriter on that one where we... Oh, yeah. Because it's oh, a Patreon thing, right? Stealth Patreon ad. Stealth that's right. Patreon. No, okay. Just wanted to make sure that was the one. Um, I did... I did get a typewriter and I did take it to the shop and it still doesn't work. Anyway, oh, no. Complete side, complete detour. <laughs> um, yeah. So I also had some journals when I was a kid. I think the first one I got was like a little, it was like a Christmas gift or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like a, a little tiny hardcover, you know, like eight inches by six inches or something or eight inches. I don't know, small. Yeah. And uh, it had a little lock on it. Mm -hmm. And I think it came with a key. And it was completely useless. Like, you could totally jimmy it open without yeah. the key, but I didn't Psychological really... peace of mind. Right. Not like, proper security. Yeah, this is not, like, lock-picking lawyer level yeah. kind of <laughs> security here. Um, yeah, I think that's where I started. Like, I, I remember, like, really liking to write things down. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of carried forward into, like, high school and college. I have, like, a bunch of really ratty notebooks. I gave up on the idea of security, and I just left everything in notebooks. Mm -hmm. um, and I still like to doodle from time to time, but, like... I haven't really done a lot of journaling recently. Um, I've tried to like pick up apps for it just to like get in the habit of doing it. Yeah. And meh. Yeah. It's not, maybe it's not great. Um, maybe like an audio journal will be better, but that's like day to day journal. And I do want to talk about game design journals. The last thing I want to do though is I want to ask you just in general, when it comes to like daily journals or whatever, what's the value in keeping a journal? Like when you tried it, what were you trying to achieve? Oh. I didn't have any particular motive. Use your typewriter. Yeah, it was really use my typewriter. Oh. Yeah. Right. I think people do it to sort of like uh, chart um, their their growth as a person, mm -hmm. like or or if they're, because um, I think it's not something people go back 
to look at in depth. Yeah. Right. It's it's the process of getting it down is something like if you're like famously like Ronald Reagan kept the Daily Journal and like it's fascinating to hear about his daily thoughts of the, being the president. Mm-hmm. That is not what most people keep a journal for. Because right. It's, there's no yeah. historical value necessarily to it. Wow, as much as we doing... all wish that we were, his, you know, had there was it be of interest to other people. Yeah. I, I've always heard anyway that people do it or the value that people get out of it is the process of writing rather than the record keeping itself. Sure. For myself, it was really just like use my typewriter. Yeah, it had, I had no like this is what you the kind of thing you write in a journal. But I had no intent. Um, I might have kept going if I if I took that part of it a little bit more deliberately. Mm-hmm. You know? I um, literally don't remember what I put in my journal, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't go back. And there's to essentially no record. I mean. So. I don't even have that journal. <laughs> like, even if it wasn't in invisible ink. Yeah. You might still have it, but you wrote over it with, like, regular ink. You didn't know anything was in it. Yeah, I guess maybe. Possible. Your goal was essentially to have secrets and never reveal them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were a mystery even unto yourself. <laughs> uh, um, I guess, yeah, I don't know what I... I feel like there are probably certain points where I would like to write down how I'm feeling at a certain point, because I might, like color it differently later um or somebody might color that experience for me later yeah and like i i I go to therapy so like that would be very useful to talk about in therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i I could see that the purpose of it for that reason but outside of that i don't know you know it's like you have like uh vacation photos and so you remember that vacation better yeah um that little core sample of my teenage years you know in the few times i've found it again in a a pile of my old stuff and looked through it Mm -hmm. it's interesting to read and i'm like oh that's i would i forgot that's what i was like or how i spoke or whatever yeah but i don't i'm skeptical of like that being of use to me now yeah necessarily Mm. um yeah i really i really think it is for the process of doing it yeah, I think I think that's probably you remember what you wrote yesterday, and that's more important than well, remembering what you wrote four weeks ago or ten years ago. Well, and ultimately, if I, were I to write down like my emotions in a journal, it would be for me to help to help me recognize how I'm feeling in a certain moment, so I don't have to keep doing that myself. It's yeah. a practice, mm-hmm. and not less necessarily. So I know yeah, you I can was recognize angry. patterns in your behavior right. if you're you know trying to work on yourself. Exactly. Or to, yeah, or, mm-hmm. or trying to like. Uh, you know, uh, or you're trying to actually suss out what you actually think about something. It's yes. hard to put into words. Yes. A daily journal will give you a lot of opportunity to hit the bullseye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like you said, Mark, it's the practice of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that totally makes sense is like the, some of the value, different, different sources of value when it comes to keeping a daily journal of just your regular thoughts Yeah. Mm-hmm. or, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, when it comes to doing a game design journal, like I, I think the same kinds, the same sources of value apply, but just like a little more narrowly, right? Mm-hmm. So what I've been, I keep coming back to this idea, and I'm hoping that we can really like crack the case of what this should look like while we're on the episode. So no pressure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we play a lot of games, right? We talk about backlogs all the time and how big they are and how they're always growing. And oh my gosh, I played so many games, and I forgot I played that, and. Anyway, so we play a lot of games. Some of them are similar to one another, and the specifics can kind of get lost. Yeah. Um, and I think, for one, like, just kind of like you're taking photos of a vacation, and those photos, you can look back at them and help you help yourself remember more specific details about that vacation and, like, what it felt like to be on top of a hill or something next to a cactus or whatever. Um and I think the same thing can happen for a game design journal. If you're keeping like keeping little logs of what you've played and what your reactions were and things like that, 
you can go back to that and kind of look at it and spark some different parts of your memory that you can then use for inspiration, right? Yeah. So, so here is actually where I was a little bit surprised by your topic mm. because I, when we spoke about it and you put it down in the schedule, I just misread it, I guess. I was thinking it was just more of a games journal, like just keeping track of what you played, maybe for inspiration, but mostly just to, like, I didn't, I didn't appreciate the, the, the purpose that you're ascribing to it, yeah. which is to really like, essentially like research for your own ideas. Oh, yeah, I think like pre-research though, right? Like yeah. I think I think when you I think you can create like a log of what you've done, you know, like captain captain's log started blah blah. Gamer's <laughs> log date, you know, September 19th, 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, I played this game and then I played this game. Um, I played this game for 10 minutes, then I played this game for 10 minutes. Kind of like a reading log. Like I've got an app that does that too. Like how long did you read? How many pages did you get through? What book did you read? That's it. That's all yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And it's just focused on like completing books. That's just the way that the app and the challenge is set up for me right now. Um, and I think a log, a game log can do that. And I think that's useful because it's like cool to see how many games you've played, right? Mm -hmm. okay. But I think that a journal is potentially more useful for a, like from a designer perspective, right? Yeah, you're, you're, that's the lens through which you're keeping these records. Yeah, exactly. Because so as a designer, right, you're you're going to find it useful to reference existing games as inspiration of what you can do with your game or so, like sources of contraindications. I looked up that word when I was writing the notes. Oh, my. Yeah. We're going to link to that. More um, words. Okay. <laughs> signs of what you should not do with your game. So like a contraindication is like you should not use this drug for this diagnosis. And I mm. feel like it's a kind of a parallel between contraindications in medicine, which I think is where the word is from. And contraindications as I'm using it in game design, which is like, okay, I have this problem, this, this challenge that I'm trying to do for players, this is the experience that I want. Mm -hmm. And these are contraindications, like that I shouldn't use this solution here. Oh, um, sure. Okay. So like you don't just look at existing games for inspiration. You also look at existing games to figure out what you shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> or at yeah. least, you know, what, what, what deserves some new thinking, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So... I'm thinking, all right, wouldn't it be nice to develop like a card catalog of, ga card catalog of games that I've played so I can like skim through my entries and refresh my memory when needed? Mm -hmm. Not just about like what I played and when and whatever, but like what did it make me feel? Okay. What what stuck out to me yeah. in the experience? That's interesting. You, you know, you talking about this reminds me of how my mom will, she has like a list of movies that she's watched. She puts like, like five star ratings next to them. Um, and she'll I sometimes put like a little sentence that says why, what was good about it or something. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of the time it's just like this was good or something. <laughs> but um, isn't that what the stars are for? <laughs> that's what I would think. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to critique my mom's personal <laughs> review system. But anyway, uh, um, she I think I think the purpose, the reason why she does that is so that like, you know, if she goes to she watches a lot of movies, my parents watch a lot of movies. Um, if they go, if they watch another movie, um my mom will kind of have a frame of reference for that movie. And so like she can compare that her previous reviews to this movie and see what yeah. lines up with it. Um, so this could work so that it kind of just reminds me of sort of how you're approaching it where like you'll play this game and like maybe you'll have an experience with something that was interesting and then you'll come back to it later when you're having a design issue and you can see that, oh, this game did it this way. Um, this solution works for my game because of this and this, but doesn't work for my game because blah, blah, blah. Um, so they could work in that. It could work in the same kind of vein, I suppose, if you take detailed enough notes. 
we'll yeah, get that's, back to that. That's yeah. the yeah. crux of it, I think, is the, the detailed enough notes is the thing where, because I, I think about like games I played, I could probably, because games are a sort of multi-sensory experience, yep. it's actually not, maybe, maybe this isn't correct, but to me it feels like it's actually not that hard to remember what it was like to play Assassin's Creed 2. Sure. And so I don't, it's so that mm. the notes would have to be pretty detailed to be worth it for me, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, interesting. But that might that might just be being like overconfident in my memory, mm. right? And I'm thinking about as you described, I'm like, oh, it would be really great if if you uh, the notes you took like had like a whole taxonomy of, and I see Ellen smiling, <laughs> the very idea of like of of game design concepts, mechanics, uh, and, you know, and and having a whole system to catalog these things, and then it feels like, well, that just seems like it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. But, but I think it would have to be that to be useful. But actually, it reminded me of something else, which is this is my long way around to getting to what it reminded me of when you're talking about. <laughs> is there's a website called GameUIDatabase.com. Oh. Which is this, but but not for uh, game design. Yeah. Specifically for game UI. Huh. And it has a taxonomy. And so you can look for you know all the different types of uh, things on a title screen. Or in settings menus, and it's a little easier to catalog this kind of stuff. Sure, um, but it's essentially a really useful for uh, UI and UX designers to see a tons of other examples of how what they want to do is done elsewhere. Oh, that's Ooh. great! And okay. so that so maybe I'm looking at it through this kind of a, of a of a format, but that's how I could see it being useful. But I think it would be much more challenging to come up with a taxonomy for something so broad and interpretive. Um, as game design yeah yeah i think so too because like you can use different you know i'm assuming let's just looking at this this um game ui database.com um you've got like title screen mode and screen select difficulty load slash slave save uh load slash save loading screen credits settings blah 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 and so you have all these different like purposes of these different screen layouts yeah but like I can look at that and be like, oh, dialogue and speech. Okay, I have an idea of what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think is trickier with like a game design database, if that's what you were trying to create, is that you can use mechanics to create different kinds of experiences. Yep. So, you know, like. Yeah, you can't represent them so much with bullet points. Yeah, or like you think about like something that, you know, I guess what the derogatory term is like a walking simulator. Mm-hmm. Um like if you boil it down to exactly like what you're doing on screen, you're moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like you also do lots of moving around in like a stealth game. Yep. And it feels really different because of the rules that you put around moving around. Yeah. You could totally, I think you could come up with like a database that would make sense of that, but then you're not going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to make an entry in a way that's really short and fits into your day. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which comes back to the whole thing you were talking about, Mark, was like you could have it maybe more useful if you have like a whole taxonomy. Mm-hmm. I tried that. I never filled it out once because <laughs> I came up with so many ideas. Yeah, it's just yeah. like too big to do it as like a quick journal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we can we can look at that, too. I've linked to that version of the journal entry interface in the show notes. So you guys can look at that with me mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes and. Mm-hmm. Be sad. Um, (laughs) Right. Okay. So I think that was, I'm really glad that you mentioned, Mark, that like you don't feel like you have difficulty remembering what it was like to play a game um, because it's like this multi-sensory experience. The interesting thing about that though, is that like journaling, if you're doing it 
if you're not just making a log, if you're actually like answering a meaningful question, yeah, then it prompts your brain to analyze, and that's bringing you know you're you're moving up Bloom's cognitive taxonomy, and so you're bringing in more neurons, and it's gonna make it easier for you to remember as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So, so, the, so uh, similarly to how I was describing, uh, you know, you're just your personal journal. The writing it down is almost not the important part. Yeah, it's the the process of doing it help will help you remember it better. Exactly. So I know like, I led with we play a lot of games and it be, might be useful to have like a card catalog of ideas, mm -hmm. but I actually think that's actually the lesser the less valuable thing. Right, has value but is not the yeah prime. The more valuable thing is actually just taking a few minutes after your play session when you've decided to make an entry and just taking some time to reflect and analyze what you did. Well, right. that's what you're doing when you like actually collecting like you know researching for a game like actively doing it for for work or what have you um or for your game mm -hmm. um is that like you'll play this game for the purpose of understanding why this mechanic works the way it does right. and it may, and it helps and it forces you to analyze it though, similarly to how you would if you were writing it down in a journal mm -hmm. um whereas like if you're just playing a game pa uh, passively quote unquote because uh, games are active uh <laughs> <laughs> um you will um you know, you'll you'll play it and you have a good time and you'll remember that experience, but you won't really start thinking about why you like that experience and what made that experience entertaining for you and such. Yeah. You'll just be like, oh, it's fun. Or like, oh, that boss is so hard. Yeah. 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 Right. You're thinking you when you're playing it for fun. That's what you meant to say, Stephen, when you're playing a game just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not for work. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, then like you you're engaging with it so that you can have an emotional experience right mm -hmm. um whether that experience like that emotional experience is rooted in your joy for analyzing forex strategies or it's for making things blow up like yeah um you've got an emotional experience that you're seeking out and so when you play it at the end of the session like that's what you're focused on is that emotional experience yep. so what i'm really feeling like i want this games journal to be is something that like splits the difference Right. So I want it to I want it to be just a little bit of analysis to help like the game sink into my brain a bit more. Mm -hmm. I want to have at least a record of like games that I've played, but I don't want to make it as in-depth as would be as something you would do if you were researching a game for something you were working on. Right. OK. Right. Because that's going to be more like all the different tags and subcategories and things that Mark was talking about earlier. <laughs> And that I did try to make. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> pretend that isn't sound super fun. <laughs> oh, it was very fun to make it. Um, it was very fun to make it, and I never used it as a journal once. <laughs> right. That's funny. Yeah, so I'm feeling like I, I want it to like split the difference. I want it to be something that's easy to, to make an entry into, so that I can like easily fit into my day. Yeah, and I don't have to like completely switch my mind from "Ooh, I just played this game for an hour and a half, and I had a really good time." To now it's time to work. <laughs> you know, I'm like better write my journal. Yeah, like I don't want I don't want that to be the experience. It's like that was really fun. I should make a note. Mm, cool. Sure. And then I make a note. And I'm like, yeah, that was cool. Okay. Um, does that make sense? It might, yeah, it might just be literally just writing it like you would a personal journal in that, like, you know, you play a game, you're like, oh, this was a cool moment, and then you just write down cool moment or something, you, you know, like, this was a cool moment, what happened. You don't have to be more detailed than that, and then, like, just the act of writing it down will help you remember the moment itself and think about maybe a little bit more in-depth than you would if you were to, you know, just play the game and not write it down. Does that make sense? It actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. Even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't act so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I didn't mean. <laughs> it's fair. I'm not super insightful a lot of the time, but Stephen, no, you're very, you were very smart and very insightful. And the, the look on my face and the tone in my voice was like, "Damn, Ellen, you've been making it way more complicated." Than <laughs> That's what I got from it too. But I appreciated that joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that I feel like that would be the the way to do it, and I think that makes that will help you uh, uh, better understand what you like what works for this game for you. Yeah, um, and what will end up happening is that the form that it takes will evolve. Yeah. It might get there quickly or it might take a long time, but it's harder to come up with how, how should I format my entries before you find out what can what can I maintain as a habit, what will be useful to me on reflection, what will be useful in the act of creating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know those things now. You can make some guesses. You can make some educated guesses, but it probably won't you won't get to it as any faster than if you just start. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. So let's take a look at what I what I started. Okay. And okay. and then you guys can give me some feedback as to what the next draft will be and I will share these embarrassing journal entries with everybody um on the internet. <laughs> the whole internet. The whole internet. No, with <laughs> listeners, you know, we'll, we'll put in the show notes I'm fine with that. Um and then I'll do the next version for a few weeks and see where we end up. Mm-hmm. So launch this there's this Google Docs spreadsheet cuz everything's in a spreadsheet. Okay. Um yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so I gave up on this one a while ago, it looks like. I think the last entry is in like 2021. Mm-hmm. There were definitely more rows in here than I remember entering, which was kind of a fun surprise when I opened this up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why did I put so many in here? This is so cool. Like, like, there are games I totally forgot that I tried. Yeah. Um, and this is like all types of games because I, I really like playing a wide variety of games on lots of different platforms and that's kind of where my brain is. Um, but like here I've got Hotline Miami in one here and I've got Valhalla Cyberpunk Bartender Action. And then I've got Reigns, which is an Android game. It's mm. like kind of a little card thingy. Yeah. Tabletop games and stuff like that. And so this one, I feel like, I feel like this is kind of something I was starting to move away from. But given the last five minutes of conversation, maybe this is what I need to come back to. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, here's the date. Here's the game I was playing. Well, I mean, like, to me personally, I feel like you put too much detail in here already. Like, you don't need to know the platform or the genre or how far you got even. Just say, I had this fun. This See, time was fun. I was thinking the how far I got column yeah. is really useful. So oh, okay. for, for listeners, fair. it's a pretty basic uh, uh, a summary of the game, the platform, the genre, and some notes. But there's yeah. another column here called how far I got, mm-hmm. which def- in the terms of the game. So you say uh, for Valhalla, you say got to the start of day four. That's contextually means something. And then some things you just say, uh, I played for this many hours or whatever. Um, I think that's useful because that can really help you remember the moment you stop playing. Yeah. Um, because there are some games that can bleed together. And, and the more of that kind of superficial detail you can pin to something. It's like tying a string to your finger. Sure. Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember your parking space. That's yeah. Cool. It doesn't actually. In, it the information itself is not super useful, mm-hmm. but the, it, it's useful to doing what we were des- describing, which is to sort of like uh, pin those thoughts down in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and perform um, uh, more linkages mm-hmm. uh, to 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 those feelings and experiences. So I think that's kind of useful. Things like that because it's easy to catalog, easy to write down. Doesn't have to be perfectly uh transcribed mm-hmm. and can kind of do its job. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um that's fair. I, I guess I was thinking about like 
well, a platform in the genre like that isn't you don't have to put that in general it's extra effort <laughs> yeah it might be yeah. something that's that you can just look up a lot easier yes you know yeah you know the name you can find the rest of the things out mm-hmm. is all i'm saying yeah that's a good point yeah but i mean how efficient are you trying to be with your time here you know yeah um, i suppose that's fair too but yeah some of these you have lots of notes and some of you just have very little notes and i think that makes sense yeah right yeah no no minimum or maximum right yeah like here i've got uh dead of winter down on row 11, tabletop game, mm-hmm. co-op with some competitive elements. And I think I played it at like a game night. We were like, we just got into the first round the first time we tried it. And all I wrote down in the notes was like, zombie survival game. Well, <laughs> I know exactly when you played that is you played that with us when we were doing our, our Robostin uh, research. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I see you have in, in other uh, two lines above it, you say, played this. Uh, played with the game devs. That's what we are in this. No, the game, the game devs as research for Robostin, uh, uh, which also includes the other games we played in here, like the yeah. and Resistance. Okay, so what I'm noticing here is some cool notes, maybe a little more context, Ellen. <laughs> well, I I pieced it together, and these are your notes, so it's not right, so bad. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But that's a, a question I was going to have for you. Is I mean, because you've got multiple entries per day on some of these days. Um, is that, yeah. does this, uh, is this common how many games you play in a week? Cause um, I know Steven and I r- very frequently lament on the show that we don't play enough games yeah. and you probably play more games than we do. I think evidence shows, but actually this is kind of a lot for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this, this seems about right. Like I, I don't finish, I, I do a lot of mobile games, yeah. oh, sure. um, because I find that like for the games that I design, um, in the learning and like training space. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're really looking for fairly simple, very easy to pick up game mechanics right. because the, the the real thing people are there for is not, I mean, they are there for the game. They're engaged because someone told them this was a fun game. Mm-hmm. So you do need the game to be fun. Mm-hmm. But you also like, it's not a marketed to a gaming audience per se, right? It's marketed to someone yeah. who has a different type of expertise. So the, the game elements need to be, the game system needs to be easy to understand. Yeah, right. So and, you need games that, you can learn more from games that are marketed to the broadest audience. Exactly. I think that, yeah. So I, I, from a professional perspective, like I find a lot of value in doing a broad, just like playing as many games as I can. And I play a lot of mobile games specifically just to kind of like see what's out there. Mm-hmm. The other thing about mobile games is so many of them are, are like focused on microtransactions. Yes. And so you quickly, you, you eventually hit that curve about an hour or two in. And you can put it away. Where you're like, okay, now it's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And like, I don't, I don't do games with microtransactions. Um, I have encountered a few games that I think do them well. And I would not mind working on a game that implemented them that way. Mm-hmm. But there's just not a lot of microtransactions in the game-based learning space. I don't think there are, I don't even know of one that, a game where there is yeah. uh, microtransactions. I mean, who would pay for an education? Who would pay to look good during an education? Right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, okay, no. You've been to college, you know you show up in your sweatpants. You're not paying for extra glitter. Yeah. yeah. Like, no. You're paying for, like, an extra coffee and it's a bigger lunch. Yep. And you're going in sweatpants and Uggs. <laughs> and Uggs. Knock off Uggs. Knock off Uggs. Perfect. Anyway, so um, where was I talking? About? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, mobile games. No, I think that actually is. Um, that's yeah. So that is pretty. I mean, this is 2021. Yeah, like a year and a half ago or whatever. So, um, my life has changed a bit. 
Well, you have this flurry of activity and then a big gap to the next entry. Yeah. So either that, either you weren't keeping track, or you actually do just play a bunch of games in three, for three days, and then you don't play games for a week or so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, I would like to be more regular with entries, but mm. um, yeah, sometimes I, mean, I do. Wouldn't it. we all? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why are we talking about that though? Because you want to make a journal. And- yeah, and you wanted to embarrass yourself on the show. Yep. Is that what you said? <laughs> oh yeah, no, we were we were looking at no, you had talked about like how often I was making entries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what why are we talking about that? Well, cuz that does seem to be part of if you're going to do this for your own self, dear listener, you want it to um mesh well with your own gaming habits. Right. So if you are if you play w- one of those 10,000 hour video games mm-hmm. and that's mostly what you play in a month, then maybe you want to just every week write about your thoughts about the sessions you had that week. Yeah. If you're someone who does try out lots of mobile games uh, that you try once and then would otherwise totally forget, you might want to make sure that you get in the habit of make, making some short notes after you try anything. Yeah. Um, or first impressions before you continue into a game or something like that, depending mm-hmm. on what your habits are. And that's kind of what I'm trying to assess here is like if that's a standard week of games for you, does it does that feel like because you didn't keep up with it in that in that format was that essentially did that not mesh well with your gaming habits yeah really good question i think it does i think it i think it does mesh well i think i just for some reason felt like i needed to have this be more than it was mm-hmm. um so maybe we put that a pin in that question yeah. for now and we look at the other example, the one that I put together, I had a blast putting together and okay. never used. Um, it's a Google form, which means anybody can fill it out. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. Dump it out. <laughs> dump, dump it in there. Don't dump it out. Oh, my God. Cut that. <laughs> um, yeah. Just go ahead. Dunk your, dunk your. Yeah. All right. So this is more in line <laughs> with what we were talking about earlier, Mark. Okay, title. Yeah, so go ahead. Um, oh, he's filling one out. Rabbids. <laughs> Kingdom Battle, which I finally finished last week. Oh, did you? Yeah. See, I usually finish a game or give up on it for good. Yeah. It's rare that I leave a game and come back to it. Yeah. Um, and this was one that I did. So, did Nintendo publish that game or did Ubisoft publish it? Because I can't move on to page two until I know the answer to that. Yeah, I'm just skipping so I can look at the questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a lot. Exactly, Ellen. it's too much. Nah, nah, I'm already bored. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't have to apologize, Stephen. I never used it myself. Yeah, I made the form and then I ignored it. <laughs> I see now why that's the case. Okay, so it's, it's 3D, too much. but it's okay. So, <laughs> okay, I can. Oh, I can select more than one. Got it. All right. All this right, is so Patreon content now. It's kind of a puzzly. <laughs> I made this for Mark apparently. <laughs> I like a good machine I can work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> what question are you on, Mark? Uh, they're not numbered, Ellen. That's your first problem. Oh, sorry. Are you on... Action subgenre. You're on action sub... Okay. Oh, actually, I just realized we were like QAing the form functionality yeah, a little live. Bit. <laughs> um, not great. <laughs> yeah. You guys can keep talking. I'm, I'm, I'll finish this. I think okay. I pulled these listings from like a Wikipedia article yeah, there's or something. Yeah, the thing that genre is such a hard thing to yeah. have like a list of because mm. there's just no correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess as Mark continues to go through these questions, like. Um, oh, my gosh. There are Sorry, a- I'm just still looking through. What the heck is an octalysis? 
Oh my Octalysis? Okay. Yeah. That's me. That's a me thing. Where did I put um, that? Where are you? <laughs> oh my just, god. I think so I got mean. to the last page. That's impressive. Um <laughs> Okay. So after I figured uh, now I'm on page three and it's yeah. just what did you like about it, dislike about it, and such. <laughs> <laughs> now now after after like I can click buttons to answer questions. Yeah. Now I have to, I'm faced with the op- most open-ended of open-ended questions. Ah. See, that's kind of like, that's some form whiplash there. Yeah. Ah. That's my feedback. Because now, because I, I don't want to be filling out lots of paragraphs. I might have if you started with it. Mm, okay. Um, hey, Mark. Yes. I'm going to take your feedback and I'm going to crumple it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw it in the trash because I'm never touching this again. <laughs> Understand, but I have thoughts, Ellen. <laughs> okay, no, I, I will touch this again because I do. I actually really do like the the using Google Form for this because rabbits are annoying. Okay, cool. <laughs> but um, I had fun anyway. Because you can just like you can just like load it on your web browser on your phone. Yeah, and then you can just like beep boop beep, quick thoughts, refresh, and then it ends up in the Google sheet where you wanted it anyway, right? Yeah. Um. So I'm probably gonna do a <laughs> Google for what did you do? I'm just on page four now, and. <laughs> I I there's an I can upload a gameplay diagram. Heck yeah, you can. <laughs> why? Yeah, why wouldn't well, you let take me, the time let, to do that? Well, excuse me, as I open up MS Paint. Okay, <laughs> okay. you've now. Listeners have been promised <laughs> sketched mark. Yeah. Well, this was everything you promised it was. It really was. I really don't think I. I think I delivered on how ridiculously long this thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really what this is, is like, okay, if I wanted to go back and like do a blog post about a game, then yeah. this is what I'd probably need to do or mm-hmm. want to do as a starting point. Um, but that's not what I'm trying to do with this gameplay journal. So I think what I'm hearing is delete everything <laughs> <laughs> and just go with what did you like about it, dislike about it and such. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have uh, on this last page, you also have like describe aesthetics, dynamics, mechanics. And that is, I know, that's a lens that you like to describe mm-hmm. games. And so that's that's ta- tailored to you. That might be what to keep. Yeah. And then you can put in your subjective thoughts in those answers instead of having a whole separate open-ended question. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? But for, but yeah, this is going to depend on the on the person, right? I'm thinking of like if I'm a if I'm a game reviewer, it might be nice to have something like this and this in depth, so that when I sit down to write my review, I can then look at all these thoughts raw. Before I come up with the outline of my, you know, my piece, right? Because it's yeah, because uh, I think it can be hard for you'll sometimes read, read game reviews that start off like re- with a really good thesis statement, and then they start then it starts to get really technical yeah. and it kind of bounces around. It doesn't really have like a flow to it. Yeah, I think part of that is the is the difficulty that game reviewers have in reviewing it as a piece of software and as a piece of art, and so it ends up kind of meshing funny. So separating out those things might be kind of useful in mm-hmm. terms of like just getting all your thoughts into a, into a standard form. Mm-hmm. And then that's the bucket you pull from as you you know put your thoughts together either as a review or as a summary for your own self or any other kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this isn't your use case, but I think if something like this could be very useful for games writers. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to delete the form. Like go ahead and copy it onto your own Google Drive and make changes if you want to. Um, I'll, you know, yeah. But I think the form, having a form to it, having structure to it is actually important. Yeah. Because, and this, I'm not going to dunk on your mom, Stephen, but like. Okay. <laughs> that, the thing that you mentioned that she just like writes down, hey, this was good. Yeah. Like, it was good. Stars. <laughs> it, it was good. I do want a little bit more than that. Sure. Because my brain is like mushy compared yeah. to your mom's. Um, so like 
things aren't going to stick very well up here. Yeah, <laughs> I need a little more structure. And so I ho I'm hoping the structure in the form will force me to give detail that I normally wouldn't if I were just like doodling fast. This is good. Yeah. Okay. So. You know what? Okay. Ellen, you should get yourself a copy of, I don't know if they're out of print at this point, but um, the film reviewer Leonard Malton would do a big tome that was with like just thousands of movie reviews and they're all like a paragraph long. And so they're kind of what Steven's mom does, but a little bit more, mm. but not a full like newspaper article or column for each film. Hmm. That that kind of, and, and each one, they're kind of funny because some of them say, talk about the casting and some of them talk about the plot. Yeah. And like, there, there's no, there's no one format to them. Sure. Ooh, they're pretty yeah. open-ended. But uh, Leonard Malton's style of very breezy, short, not quite just the facts, but some facts, uh, film reviews, might be a good model, actually. That's, okay, I'll have to look it up. Um, Every year they, they would print another giant tome with the latest updates, but that was years ago. I think there might be an app these days, I don't know. Yeah. But you can find an old one at a, at a used bookstore just to see the format. Yeah, I think that would be helpful, right? Because I, I think that's what I'm taking away from this conversation is like, less is more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and that if it's if it's really journaling from a game design perspective and the point of game design is to like use these mechanics in a system that makes people feel a thing, then I should start my game design analysis where I left off as a player, which was how was I feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And just follow that and just trust that it's going to take me to a useful place. Mm -hmm. There you go. Boom. Solved. Did it. <laughs> High fives. Yay. <laughs> So we referenced our Patreon a few times on the show so far. Um, one such recording that is on Patreon is when Ellen went through, a five, was it 10 random things in Mark's office at his at his home? Yeah. Because um, we were recording there at the time. Right. Um, and uh, just asked questions about it. It's more interesting than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. I made it sound interesting. Gosh. Anyways, <laughs> there's a bunch of other cool content that you can find on our Patreon. Um, I think um, Ellen brought up uh, during this too that like you know we did a bunch of playtesting and stuff for when we were working on Robostin. Um, yeah, the the sessions that she referenced in her spreadsheet are yeah. were, some of those were recorded for our Patreon session. Yeah, uh, when we were doing the work on Robostin, mm -hmm. and that's only available on our Patreon. Yes, yes, um, it's very exciting stuff. Um, also, dog pictures. Ellen's got dog pictures. Oh yeah, yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, um, we took we watched a video with Ellen once, and we were like, "What is this?" And it was kind of entertaining. Uh huh. So there's that too. Wait, which video? You, you quizzed you us, and we showed. got it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I remember. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I should have written a journal entry. You right. made us watch a thing, and then you left us with no context. Yep. Excellent. And okay. You made us talk about it. Yep. And then then you revealed why you, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I. It was you. pretty interesting. It was. Well, it that's was. good. So uh, you can find all of this on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/NiceGamesClub.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, um, my topic yeah. is weird. It's, it, I, I know it's shocking, right? Steven bring a weird topic into the... In trying the to get out of it or... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited about this topic because it's... I did a lot of this. I, I'd like to think I tried to do a lot of this work when I was working on Rhythm Rumble yeah. a while ago. Um, so my topic is bringing other media into games. It's too weird. Okay, well, all right, never mind. That's the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we thought what you meant yes. was adaptation. Right. right. Well, yeah. I would have used like the Iron word. Man the movie, the game, but that's yeah. not what you meant. <laughs> no, but it's not what I meant. Um, which is an interesting conversation on its own. But I think that uh, there are aspects of that that are still relevant to what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, what I'll do is I'll bring up the work that I did in Rhythm Rumble. So I think I've talked about Rhythm Rumble on the show before. It's not. It's a game that never came out. Um. That I worked on at, at Pixel Lakes a few years ago. Um. And it was a fighting game based around um you know rhythm i guess like you could only do actions on quarter beats sort of it was weird anyway um all of the fighters all the characters that you could play as were based off of genres of music so there was like a country one and a edm one and a hip-hop one and yeah all the different kinds of things and so what i tried to do when uh, i was creating the move set for these characters the, the characters move sets were very simple everybody only had like three literally only three actions mm -hmm. that they could uh, attack and like a grab button and a super um just three though <laughs> <laughs> okay i was wrong um but anyways what i tried to do is i tried to create a move set that i felt like would represent that genre of music as best as i could yeah mm -hmm. which is very difficult when you're making wide genres of music into a into a character so like edm i probably shouldn't have decided oh i'm just make the entirety of all electronic dance music into one character <laughs> with a very small boost set that was kind of ridiculous but right, i it did was it anyway reductive by definition yeah, yeah exactly um but i uh so i did i mean i tried i tried to do that with all the characters and i did end up designing we designed 12 characters um for the for the game and no i never ended up making Whoa, a boss character but the 12 notes in them at the musical scale it's I, so amazing yeah i definitely meant to do that <laughs> that's definitely not something i just came to realize now <laughs> the, the boss should have been like beethoven and it would just be like hardcore harpsichord <laughs> just, <laughs> you know oh that's fun um there was a classical character in the game but uh, uh she did not do that <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like I, so I tried to like come up with, yeah, like I said, I tried to come up with like ways to, um, I was going to use the word adapt, <laughs> uh -huh. um, the, the, that genre into a, a fighting game 
right. thing, which is like, it's a very strange concept, right? Like, yeah. you don't think, oh gosh, I really like Jay-Z. How would he play in a fighting game? <laughs> right. If Bossa Nova were not a genre of music, yes. but were in fact a fighting game character. Right. What would it be? Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. you're, you're sort of struggling to define this, but it's kind of. I think people get it. Yeah. 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 What you're what you're what you're going after. Yeah. I just yeah. can't think of like a single. It's like how? Yeah. What are the words to yeah, describe? Exactly. But I think I think you've gotten the idea across. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's why I didn't want to use um, adaptation because it's not adaptation, even though I think it encompasses that. Because another right. thing that I think is involved in this kind of idea is like Star Trek Ascendancy. I think you brought it up on the show. You brought it up on the show plenty of times before, Mark. Mm-hmm. I have too. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. This isn't all my fault. Right. <laughs> Mostly. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's the source comics and games that calls me in the middle of a recording. <laughs> right. I mean, who got Steven into Star Trek? <laughs> okay, ultimately, at, at its roots, it is my fault. Okay. <laughs> right. At any rate, um, one thing that I really like about that game is that it takes the, um, the, the groups of characters, you know, in that game and it translates it into a board game very well. Like, you can play as Ferengi and the Ferengi are all about trying to get as much currency production, I guess. But it, it's basically their currency as possible. Um, and they use that as their victory condition effectively. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, the Federation is all about trying to uh, be... What's, what's the word? I'm not using the right word. Goody two-shoes. <laughs> well, they can't invade planets, so they have yes. to use hegemony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In order to take over, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so they're still, like, kind of, you know, trying to take over the board, but, like, in a peaceful, nice way. It's kind of weird for them a little bit. But, it, like, you know. The right, whole... they're just gentrifying the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, which, yeah. Which, that's, that's, that's an in-universe criticism. Of that is true. Right? That and is true. Yeah, I've, I've talked about how I think it's such a great expression of the sort of setting of Star Trek, mm-hmm. even though... It is not a very good adaptation of any Star Trek story. Yes. Because one, it's essentially a war game. Right. Which, like, most Star Trek games are war games, but that's what makes most Star Trek games bad. Mm. It's because Star Trek isn't about war. Right, yeah. um, Even when it features war. Yeah. But, um, and also, you know, you can be, the you know, the Romulans can take over Cardassia, and that's not a thing that ever happened in Star Trek. Right. But, like, it still feels like Star Trek because of those, those... Mechanics and yes. solely because of the mechanics. Yes, exactly. And so, like, I think that they did a good job of you know taking what what exists of Star Trek and putting it into a video game um, in a way that makes you feel or makes it makes you gives you an understanding of how these characters would feel even without playing or watching any Star Trek. You could have a better understanding of how these characters. Yeah, you could have only you could only play that game, mm-hmm. like play a couple sessions of that game, and then you could start watching Star Trek and you have a better understanding of Star Trek. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that like I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and I yeah, so I, I do wanna make sure that like it's clear that I'm not talking about like um the Hello Kitty adaptation puzzle game. They do those, I think. Uh <laughs> yeah, you're not talking about like skinning something. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's pro- is there Hello Kitty Tetris? Uh I know there's a Hello Kitty puzzle game because I read it in a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not talking about reskinning something yeah. or re theming it. You're talking yes. about when you have something like a media property yeah. and you are trying to make a game about right. that, that is related to yeah. it, looking at it from a, like a mechanical level. Yes. And so that's the thing I, like, I want to talk about in particular because like, you know, video games require actions from the player in order to play them. Um, Hell yeah. yeah. Actions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but some other media do not. Like I suppose, you know, when you're watching a show, you're you're actively watching the show, right? But like you're not 
you're not the one doing the actions on the show. Um, so like, so it's like translating some of the experiences that the characters are going through in the show into our form of media, video games, is you know an interesting practice within itself. Um, so I guess I wanted to talk about that in particular, mm. like what what things to take, what things to grab from other media and put into the game to make that to make game the game feel like the media in okay. in that way. Um, it's a weird, weird, large question. Yeah, it's kind of tough because like there, there's some examples we've cited already, mm-hmm. um, but it's not that much different than like if you want the player to feel something. Or you want them to feel like that other thing made them feel. Yeah. You're, it's kind of the same job. Yeah. Right? Yes. It's just there, there's a there's something that you can, there's less room for iteration because you, you can't drift too far away from it because it's something else people Well, do. well, well, well I, I, I agree that, like, you know, ultimately you're trying to get the player to feel something and that's, you know, our jobs. But um, I think that there's, mo- I think that there's more to it than that. I think that it's it's a little bit more, in depth because i think the goal is not necessarily just to um get the player to i guess the the the, the goal is to get like a an a, an expression of art to get the player to feel an expression of art that is different from the original form that that media took place in does that yeah. make sense and i think that that makes it more challenging to translate um, just due to the fact that it is a different form of media. Yeah. So, like, if you wanted to take Stranger Things, oh, I shouldn't use Stranger Things. I've never watched an episode of Stranger Things. Yeah, don't uh, use that. <laughs> you keep reaching for examples that you don't like. You're, you're writing checks that your yeah your game knowledge can't. Get. Yes. Um. Okay. What did I just watch? I like Frasier. I love the show Frasier. Okay. Um. So, if you wanted to make a game around Frasier that makes it feel like the sitcom Frasier. Yeah. Like what would you do to make that work? So a lot of, I think a lot of the hilarity in Frasier is the little quips between the two brothers. <laughs> I relate to that so well. Uh, <laughs> um, I think part of it is like the like I mean it's not like super in-depth psychiatry or anything like that but like they do have some aspects of it that they bring into the show that is kind of interesting um, and you get to like get a glimpse of how some um, therapists interact outside of you know their practice, um, which is nice. I don't know a ther- the only therapist I know is my therapist. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the a lot of that was is irony, right? Yes. Is yeah. that Fraser acts in ways that you wouldn't expect? Yeah, a ther- or in ways that have not learned the lessons you would learn from being yeah. a therapist or being in therapy, and yes. that's where some of the comedy comes. From. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, so like taking some of that, taking that spe- those specific aspects of the show and putting it into a video game. Right, so you could do like a visual novel. Yes. But then that would just be an adaptation. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, you could do kind of like a Fraser v. Niles quip off yeah. at the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. And that might be an interesting- Oh, that's super fun. Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that would really work- to, but that's that's a thing you could do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could do you could do like a top down RPG because good because the, the thing about uh, Frasier that's different from other sitcoms is you see Frasier at it's a workplace comedy and a domestic comedy. Yes, mm-hmm. most most shows are one or the other, right? Yeah. yeah. So that multiple that, that show is somewhat unique, mm-hmm. not fully, but somewhat unique in that it has multiple prime locations. Yeah. Right. So that yeah. could that could suit itself to a RPG where you travel. Yeah, right. and I mean, also, you know, it's a, it's a, what's the word, single camera sitcom? Is that the correct term? 
where like you just have you know it's got you can tell that the set is just like three walls you know what i mean that's a multi-cam is what you're talking that's about. what i meant yes yeah um <laughs> one of those two yeah um and so like that actually lends itself very well to an rpg that's actually an interesting point mm-hmm. that i didn't consider like like you can create these different sets quote unquote yeah um which are just like you know rpg locations and then you would just you know fraser would just on the map be like oh i'm going to the coffee shop oh i'm going to work um, or you'd have you have multiple threads running because sitcoms have A plots and B plots and yeah. C plots. Oh, right. Oh, this is fun. So are that's we, not necessarily about yeah. Fraser, but it's about like what would an RPG of a yeah. sitcom look like? Yeah. And it would actually there's some things that would lend itself. Yeah, this is great though, because this is exactly what I was talking about. I was just okay. gonna say this is this is the process that you're trying to, to dig into. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's it's interesting because we didn't really get it didn't really make a lot of sense to us until you gave us an example to start working with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably true of another we'd go with somewhere else, but yeah. It, it didn't really make sense until you sort of passed us <laughs> yeah. this particular challenge. Yeah. It does feel a little different than like doing game design from scratch. When I'm thinking about like yeah. all the different times we've done a nice games jam where right. it's like, what's our problem, Dylan? It's what? Ooh, how are we going to make a game out of this? Like <laughs> I, there was a little bit of similarity, but it's, it's like having, I mean, it's like you have a compass with you. Yes. Well, right? it's just the yeah, design, kind of. design pillars are they're They're in a box for you to, to work with yeah um and so it's it is the same but your stresses are different yeah. and you're you know you're like is this gonna does this match the feel like the thing with the, a game design pillar is that it can change if there's overwhelming need for it to change mm-hmm. but if you're trying to make it's trying to adapt the feeling from someplace else it's a little bit more not set in stone so much but like it does need to meet that the brief of it feeling that way how you do it can change drastically right. as you go and so you so you have some comfort in knowing that it's going to be easy to see if this works. I'm not going to have to think, well, I like it, but does it work? Yeah. Right? Which I is a problem like that you have a lot of times when you're doing game design. Yeah. Um, you, you could have something pretty simple to compare it to, but it, you can't change that. Yeah. Necessarily. Right. You can. I like it, and it feels like Frasier, which means I don't, you know, if it doesn't feel like Frasier, then you aren't there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or this feels like Frasier, but it's like I don't. Want, it's like a, it's not interesting enough or it's not I could do better or yeah. it's like it meets the brief but like is it everything it could be mm-hmm. you know that's a different kind of stressor yeah whereas in a normal game design you would be pretty happy to keep going uh, with that or, or move away from it well and I like what you had done when you were you know we were coming up with different ways that you could take you know taking Frasier and making it into different games like yeah. you came up with several different examples because there's so many different ways that you can boil Frasier down into a game um, that isn't necessarily just you know yeah. The, you can't. I mean, you, like, I suppose you could literally make a sitcom, like you were saying, but then mm-hmm. it's just an adaptation. Um, but just like that quip off the uh, mouse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what it sounds to me? It's like it's a mini game collection. Yeah. Is what could I, be that, right? That could. Yeah, that would be. That would definitely work too. Um, yeah. So like, this is the kind of work that I was trying to do when I was trying to do make Rhythm Rumble, and like, yeah. I, I, um, I struggled with it, especially like in genres of music that I wasn't super familiar with. Like, I'm not. I don't listen to country very much at all, but like I, you know, I still try attempted to translate that into um, a game and like the country. right and how you might have found yourself. Is this just what the pop culture idea of country is, or is this actually what country is? I totally, I totally like uh, juggled that kind of thing. Um, and some with some genres, like I ended up boiling it down to specific time periods that uh, of that genre. Like with hip hop, like you know, hip hop is uh, very popular and it is it, evolved and changed over time. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going with like a, a more early '90s sort of aesthetic and feel for that kind of a right. for that kind of character. 
Um, is that because you, you're not really big into hip hop? I am not, but my boss was at the time, so okay. he had opinions. <laughs> and I kind of took his opinions because like, I didn't know what I was doing mm-hmm. um, otherwise. And that was maybe his era? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, my brother's too, really. He kind of likes that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, and then like I took the and, like jazz now. I listen to jazz a lot. Yeah. And so like that character in particular, um, I made, I tried to make them, you know, improvisational because mm-hmm. that's what jazz is. But um, that that character like switches between two different moves. It's about the punches you don't land. <laughs> <laughs> Up top. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> That's like the one jazz joke and it never gets old. Yeah. Nope. So good. (laughs) It's really good. Um, um, But uh, uh, I tried to make, so like that character had two different movesets, but like it would swap if you were like the, you could potentially do actions offbeat, but it would punish you for doing things offbeat. Yeah. Um, If you did something offbeat as a jazz character, it would swap your moveset so that you would end up doing a different kind of moveset as a result. Mm -hmm. So like if you messed up or you've intentionally, you know, played, did something offbeat, then you could swap to some like a longer range attack set, and you could uh you know uh, better handle certain situations and stuff. Cool. Ultimately, I kind of wish that I had designed that game quite differently, <laughs> but um I thought that was like really interesting that um that came up that I came up with all those things. Is that something like you know uh like that game is defunct? Yeah. And you're not at that company anymore. No. But the concept is something you could revisit if you yes. wanted to. I do want to revisit it at some point. And and you do kind of want to start over. So you kind of kind of best situation you're in right now is Well, if I were to do it again, well, I still like the name Rhythm Rumble, but I don't know if I, I assume I could still use it. I don't know. Right. No no one walked it down to the trademark office. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but um if I were to do it again, I would be more narrow with the genres. Like I think I would I wanted to what I was thinking of doing was just like taking EDM music because there's so many different genres of EDM music and making that into different kind of fighters, right? Instead, because um, I think that will be a little easier, but still, you know, quite diff- difficult. Um, I'd also make the move sets larger because I think that just made them too small. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to make it simple. I was trying well, to do ta- a lot of things. You're talking about scope in a way. Yes, yes, yes. And I think when, to 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 bring back to this topic, yep. like you're trying to interpret something. You you kind of like what? How much do you need to do to for that interpretation and then how much do you need to do to make it a worthwhile experience on its own? Yeah. Right. Because I think the, I mean, unless you're working with like an IP, right. If you are making something that is partially an adaptation. Yeah. Um, it can be as large or small as the design requires. Yeah. And so the question is, is like how much, like if you were to rhythm rumble again, could it just be, could you refocus it into like, you know, rock and roll versus hip hop? Like, yeah, and then you, th- and that would be the framework by which then you only have those two things to deal with. Sure, mm-hmm. you know, but then, but if you did only have two things, you'd have to come up with a way for those two things to make sense. Yes, for it to, for it to be those two things, and and would that actually not fulfill the brief in your mind? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, right. is, is the idea that it's supposed to be a d- diverse uh, set of genres, and that's the feeling you want, rather than just each individual one. So there's lots of questions you have to ask if you're not working with something that has a sort of definition already. Yeah. Well, and ultimately if you are working with, I mean, I guess this is jumping a little bit more into actual adaptation fields. Yeah. Um, but like if you are working with an actual IP, you also want to, you tend to want to incorporate a lot of what people think about with those IPs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Jurassic Park, you're going to want to put a T-Rex in there, even if it doesn't make sense for T-Rex to be there in that particular moment. But like people. That's the thing they do in the movie sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, but like, I think it's, I think like there, you have different concerns that because the IP holder or whatever is probably going to want to make sure you're presenting certain things that, um, um, that uh, people expect 
from yeah. that IP. Um, so yeah, I guess that that's a separate kind of consideration, but I think that's that's still something to think about. Yeah, I mean, even with like when I was, you know, even with Rhythm Rumble, like when I was making jazz, the jazz character, like the art and stuff, and the the um each each character had their own stage too. Like we ended up going with like a New Orleans kind of um stage. It was a really cool looking stage. Um, and had good music too. We had good music in that. <sighs> <laughs> Wistful sigh. Yeah. Yeah. What are the takeaways here? Right. Like, it, I guess the takeaways I've been getting so far are. If you are like, drawing inspiration from another media like franchise or source, mm-hmm. um, it's the same process. Like you're doing, you're just doing game design, but you are instead of like going through the whole workshop of different mechanics and things you can use, you kind of get gotten someone to like give you a box of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you're still driving based on like a feeling, yeah. but you might end up finding that you are going to like maybe make that more focused. Depending on what what you end up with and what 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 kind of shakes out, I guess during your initial sketching and prototyping. Mm. Yeah, I guess the the last thing I wish we had like a there's probably like a word in German for this that we're talking about, <laughs> right? Like, but I don't know what it is. And so, what what's the difference between what you're talking about and just broader adaptation? I think that the the core of what you're trying to make isn't just getting people to get through the bullet pointed list of what is this property, but mm-hmm. more getting them to experience or feel aspects of the property or not property, but the media in with, within the game itself. I think that's the, the main difference. Yeah. I think you are, I think, unfortunately, yeah, I think what you are talking about is that is mostly adaptation. Yes. That's and fair. that there's not a ton of other examples that are not that. Yeah. But what you're just how you're distinguishing it from other types of just take a novel into a movie or a movie into a video game Mm. is that you're focused more on not not you're not focused on the story yeah that's not the thing that's Mm. most important which is usually the most thing that's most important in these types of adaptations yeah right there are tons of like you know well but they don't do this as much anymore but uh in the late 90s early 2000s you know there were a ton of video game movies or video game no games that were made because this movie was coming out and like those basically just take you beat by beat through a story, and they add a little. Well, they bit were they were platformers that told the story of a movie. Basically, basically yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't. That's not what I'm talking about. And yeah, you, that's, as you elaborated. Yeah. So um, some good examples of things that are out there that that might that are adaptations, but might fit a little more what you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. So the Star Trek board game is one. But, yes. Uh, but also, uh, Biffle Games. This seems to be a specialty that they're leaning into now. Yeah. They made John Wick Hex. That's right. Um, which is which is you know separate from the story of the John Wick game. Yeah. But, but is a, a tactical right, game. and that's a fascinating example too, because yeah, it's a tactics game, yeah, and it's not you know like it's not you, fast paced like yeah, the movies are exactly, but it still supposedly delivers the feeling. I haven't played it, but it's it's well reviewed mm-hmm. by fans of the movie franchise, yeah. Um, but they're also making a visual novel of uh, for Tron, that's just an yeah, yeah, and so that's a similar kind of thing where like you wouldn't think a Tron game would be a visual novel mm-hmm. but like it actually kind of does make sense because this is also the studio that made subsurface circular right which is a, a, a futuristic uh, visual novel so they're suited to it for that reason yep but um so those are examples i think that might fit your definition of something just a little bit deeper i think yeah but really i think the main takeaway from this topic is that we got to make this fraser game yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were already designing it i've been taking notes uh- <laughs> hey that's our show For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. 
Visit us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and users understanding simple features. I'll believe it when I see it. We like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. But if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be doing a Nice Games Jam with a special guest returning to the show. Who is it? Tune in to find out. Tune in. Is that a thing people do anymore? Whatever. That's it for this show. So until we start again, remember to play nice and to make nice. Good, good way to end that. <laughs> um, break for ad. Okay. Uh. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.